0: Welcome to Downtown Harbour Church. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor around here. If it is your first time here, welcome. We appreciate um, you guys coming on out on a Sunday morning. want to say hello to our at-home audience. We appreciate you guys checking in with us today. Hope you're all doing well. Before I forget, I do want to just publicly thank Adam. I don't know if you were here the last two weeks, but he spoke and he did a great job. I mean, last week he enabled us to get away to go see my folks. We haven't seen them in almost like six months because of everything, so that was great. And then the first week, that came out of the blue. We actually had a, um, a death in the family, and we had to fly up to New Jersey on a, on a Saturday, and he stepped in, and he just knocked it out of the park. I mean, he's such a professional, and he did such a great job. But today, I get uh, the honor of wrapping up this series that we've been calling 2020, The Struggle is Real. And if you haven't been with us before, that's okay. What we've been doing is we've been taking a look at issues um, that have been really impacted by the events of this year. In week one, we, we talked about our marriages and sort of that whole thing, because being stuck with a person in a house and all that, it's a lot. And last week, Adam talked to us about contentment, even in the midst of trying circumstances. But today, as we wrap up this series, I want to talk to you about an issue Um, or an emotion or a feeling, depending on how you want to characterize this particular thing, that I think every single one of us at some level and at some point this year has dealt with and has struggled with. Um, This particular feeling is a natural reaction to sort of the events of 2020. And this emotion is really one of the great motivators for human beings but at the same time, it can absolutely be a, a demotivator. And if it's left unchecked in our lives, it can have disastrous effects in all kinds of areas. And it's a topic that Jesus spoke at length about in numerous situations and in front of numerous crowds. And so what I want to do is we kind of bring this series to a close, I want to talk to you guys about fear. Because when we think about the emotions of 2020, I mean, we've all seen folks that are angry, right? We got a lot of people who are angry about a lot of things. We got a lot of people that are worried about a lot of things. And we have a lot of folks that are discouraged about many, many things. But I firmly believe that the foundation of all of those emotions is actually fear. In fact, I would argue that it's fear in disguise. Am I gonna lose my job? I'm afraid. Will I be able to find a job? I'm afraid. Will I be able to pay the bills? Are my kids going to be safe? Can they get back into school? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Can we trust the elections? I'm afraid. Or is the economy going to collapse? I'm afraid. What will the future look like? Will it ever be normal again? I'm afraid. See, for the last 10 months, 11 months, I'm not great at math, but for the last year, our lives have been riddled with fear. And Jesus really just gives us one simple solution. He says, fear not. So let's pray. Dear Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity. you You wish it were that short, right? So do I. Just come out here and say that. But it's really that simple. In Jesus's mind and all throughout the gospels, time and time again, he teaches the disciples and the audience at large that you don't need to be afraid. And in fact, in the lives of the disciples, he uses a season of time, not their whole lives and not their whole ministry, just a, a season of their life to teach them why they don't need to be afraid. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe, just maybe, Jesus is using 2020 to perhaps teach us the very same thing. So let's kind of jump in. I'm going to bounce around to a couple of different things to show you what Jesus has to say about not being afraid. But At one point, he brings his disciples into a room and he goes, all right, guys, here's the deal. You know, you've seen what I do. You've seen what we're all about. So I want to start sending you out into the world. You're going to begin doing ministry on your own. You're going to be reaching people and preaching to people, and you're going to be involved in healings and all that kind of thing. I'm going to send you out into the world. Um, But just like so I'm honest with you, you would say. I'm just going to shoot you straight just so you sort of know what to expect when you get out there. Um I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, okay? Disciples are like, what's that? Yeah, no. I mean, just... An analogy of what you're going to experience when you go out into the world—it's going to feel like you're sheep, and you're surrounded by wolves. So that's not exactly the most comforting analogy that you would hear your savior kind of describe your, you know, budding ministerial career to look like. But luckily, Jesus wasn't done sort of building their confidence. He kind of he continues and he goes, just so you know, um, some of you guys will get arrested. Okay. And he goes, and and some of you, well, you're going to get beat, kind of looking at you two over there. And all of you, just so you, you know, just so you all know, you're all going to have to sacrifice a lot, but it's going to be great. And don't be afraid. In fact, do not fear, he would say, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Because the foremost fear for the disciples was fear of death. By persecution. I mean, they didn't have a fear about another lockdown. They were not afraid of, of a stock market crash. That it wasn't a fear of whether Trump would be reelected or Biden would get into the office. There wasn't a fear of, of coronavirus at all. There was a real fear that their heads would be lopped off by the Romans that were all around them. And so Jesus, knowing this real fear in their lives, looks at these 12 guys and say, you don't need to fear someone that can only kill your body. In fact, he would say, if you want to be afraid, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Wait, what? Jesus, you said don't be afraid and now you're saying be afraid and actually we should be afraid of God, huh? We're not we're not tracking with you. Can you sort of walk us through that a little bit more? And so Jesus does just that. He kind of begins to expound. He goes, all right, let me see you understand what I'm saying, boys. He goes, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yes. Okay. Well, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid because you're worth more than sparrows. Thank you, Jesus. You've clarified that for us. They're like, hold on, wait, Jesus. You just listed a whole bunch of bad stuff that was going to happen to us, you know, when you send us out there to go into the world and and preach the gospel. And then you said, don't be afraid. But then you said, be afraid of God, but that we're going to be okay because we're like the sparrows. But then the sparrows died and you said, don't be afraid. So we're not sure we're following you on the whole don't be afraid thing. See, the issue for most of us is that fear is a tough concept for humans to grasp. Jesus knows this. In fact, that's why he's been working on the issue of fear in the life of the disciples for a little while now. And so what I wanna show you for the remainder of our time are two lessons that Jesus used in the life of these disciples, just a short season of time, to teach them about fear. And I just think that we, as Christians, In 2020, going through everything that we've gone through, I think we can learn a lot from these two lessons. So just a few chapters earlier, Jesus is teaching a large crowd. right? She's kind of preaching on the side of the sea. And when he's done, he and the disciples, they get into a boat. And that's where we pick up this first story. In Matthew 8, it says this, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. So this is not an uncommon thing for this particular body of water. Due to the topography of the surrounding lands, these storms would come out of nowhere all the time. And they could be extremely violent in nature. So these guys, they're in the boats, and the waves are crashing, and the wind is roaring in the boat. As we see, he's beginning to start to fill with water. But luckily, Jesus, well, he's sleeping. Okay, now I don't know if he was fake sleeping or not, doing one of these things to see how the disciples would react to this first test, if you will. But whether he's really sleeping or he's fake sleeping, the disciples, they're running around like their hair's on fire. And it looks like that one scene from the office of the fire drill. You know what I'm talking about? And it says this, the disciples... Well, they went and they woke Jesus up. They go, Lord, save us, okay? We're drowning. We're going to drown. So Jesus wakes up and he says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Why are we afraid? What are you, hard of seeing Jesus? All right, we know you're a carpenter and we're fishermen. Let me just, you know, walk you through what's going on here. This is a bad scene. Okay, You see this water in the boat? This should be outside of the boat. This is a problem here. We are going to go down. We are going to drown. We are going to die. So Jesus says, all right, stand back. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Gets up, and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And it was completely calm. The storm stops. Like in a blink of an eye, just like that. This furious ocean becomes like a sheet of glass. Now, if you were in the boat with them, how would you react to that amazing miracle? The disciples were absolutely terrified. They're terrified. Who is this man? They go. Who is this man? They ask each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. I mean, think about the story we've just seen. The fear they had for this furious storm, that's gone. Right? Their fear of that storm has now been eclipsed and overtaken by their fear of Jesus. This is a huge moment in their faith journey. Because remember how we started off. Jesus would say to them at one point, you don't need to fear those who can only kill the body. You should fear God. And in this moment, as they were terrified, it says, of Jesus' power, they're now beginning to understand what it means to fear God. You've all heard this phrase, fear God, before. Sometimes it's like, you know, that'll put the fear of God in somebody. Or in the Old Testament, we often read about how they had the fear of the Lord. And it's kind of a confusing phrase for English-speaking Christians. I mean, we love Jesus. We love, we love God. God is love. Why, are we, why would we fear him? What is there to be afraid of? And really, it's just not a good word. Because what Jesus is actually trying to communicate is that we want to recognize God's power. We want to have reverence of, of his awe and, and and who he is. And so in this storm, as they see Jesus literally controlling the environment that they are in, it made these guys have a massive respect, a fear of the Lord. Now, lesson one on fear is over. They learned some things, but I'm not sure they passed. So Jesus is not done. Fast forward a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of days. We're not really sure. But he just wraps up doing one of the more popular, amazing miracles he ever did when he fed the 5,000. And the disciples, they were involved in that. They were the ones who passed out the bread and the fishes. They saw it multiply before their very eyes. And when the feeding was done, Matthew lets us know that immediately after this, Jesus insisted, that's an important word, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat. Now, why do you think it says that he had to insist that they got back into the boat? Because the last time Jesus told them to get into a boat, didn't go so well, right? All of a sudden, they're not really trusting Jesus as much as they used to trust him. They're pushing back. And it begins to show how fear is starting to impact their life and starting to impact their trust of God. Which tells me that if left unchecked, fear can become somewhat of a God in your life. I mean, I think it can actually compete with God for your attention. I think it can compete with God for your devotion. And I think it can compete with God for that number one spot in your life. And for some of us, I believe that the voice of fear may be the loudest voice in your life. Just whispering into your ears at all times, telling you what you can do and what you can't do. Perhaps it's telling you that God can't be trusted or that God won't be with you or that God's plans for your life, because you've all heard about God's plans, that God's plans for your life, those are bad plans. They're scary plans that God has for you personally. Everyone else's plans, they're good, but yours, not good plans. And maybe you've been bombarded by fear for so long that you've just handed the keys of life over to fear. Here, you drive. And what's become painfully evident is that fear is calling the shots. And Jesus starts to see this in the life of his disciples. He's seeing that fear is beginning to control their lives. So what does he do? He insists that they get in the boat, get in the boat. My dad's whistle when I was young. I knew I was in trouble. Get in the boat. And so they obey Jesus and they don't obey their fear. Now they're in the boat all by themselves, leaving Jesus on the shore to sort of deal with the cleanup of the 5,000. It says, after sending them home, meaning after Jesus dismissed the 5,000 people, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell when he was there all alone. Meanwhile, as he was praying, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fright, and they were fighting the heavy waves. Look familiar? Right? What happened the first time? In the first boat lesson, the storm hits, and Jesus, well, he was asleep. Now they're in the boat, a couple of weeks later, the storm hits, and Jesus, well, he's nowhere to be found. I mean, we know he's up in the hills praying, but all they know is Jesus sent me on my path, told me to do this thing. Now he's abandoned me. And things are getting scary and it's getting darker and the wind is getting stronger and the water is getting higher. Now about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them and he's walking on water. And when the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified once again. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost, okay? But immediately, Jesus said to them, guys, he goes, wrong, fail, okay? You guys are killing me, he says. I'm out here working like a dog, trying to teach you some lessons on fear. You should have seen this one coming from a mile away. So obvious. We're On the boat again with the storm. I mean, guys, remember last time you were afraid? What happened? I calmed the storm and then you were no longer afraid. Now we're in the same scenario, and yet once again, you all were afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. Haven't you learned by now that you don't need to fear even when there is something to fear? So Jesus says, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. And all of a sudden, it starts to dawn on the disciples. All of a sudden, the pieces start to come together. And it's like, wait, hold on. So you weren't with us, but you were watching us? Yes. Because one day I won't be with you, but I will be watching you. And just as you didn't need to be afraid when I was asleep in the boat, And just as you didn't need to be afraid when I wasn't in the boat with you, but knew you were in the boat, you don't need to fear, even when there's something to fear. See, Jesus is doing these tests because he knows he's contending with something in the lives of these disciples and in every single one of our lives, and that's sin. And when sin entered the world, fear entered our hearts. God did not create us to be fearful creatures. Sin made us this way. And because we live in a broken world with evil and sickness and death, we as humans, we try to protect ourselves using fear. And a healthy amount of fear is actually a little bit good. It keeps us from touching fires It keeps us from touching snakes. I mean, some of us, you know, right? We stay away from those things because we know those things are dangerous. But when fear becomes a way of life, it can wreak havoc in your mind, your body, and your soul. And I would argue that fear causes us to recoil, almost like a snake, recoil from uncertainty because there is nothing scarier to humans than uncertainty. Isn't it true that we just want to know? We want to know exactly what's going to happen to us. We want to know for certain that everything's going to be okay. We want to know for certain that our family's going to be fine. We want to know for certain that I'm going to find a job. We want to know for certain that COVID's going to go away. And if we don't know for certain, we get scared. And I think what Jesus is trying to teach us is that in this life, uncertainty is for certain. There's just some things we will never know for sure because we can't see the future and we're not too good at predicting it. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but whenever you try to project yourself into the future, it's a little scary. It's always a little dark. So I think we need to get comfortable with the fact that the only thing that we know for certain is that there are things that are uncertain. But, Fear is optional. It's why Jesus one day would say to his disciples right before he went back to heaven, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not. Don't let them. Don't allow yourself to be afraid. That's an option you have. Now, I know it feels automatic. I know it feels like you don't have control, but let not your hearts be troubled. I may not be with you, but I'm with you. And for us, I think when we find ourselves in the storms of life, like the disciples, when we lose a job, when, when you know, foreclosure is threatening our home, when, when the COVID news is nonstop, when the election news is nonstop, when there's riots in the street, when, when the world begins to spin out of control, we begin to ask the very same questions those disciples asked 2,000 years ago. God, are you asleep? God, are you aware? God, have you abandoned me? Because I don't feel you. Because I don't see you. And we start to panic. And we get very afraid. And what Jesus is trying to teach them and what Jesus is trying to teach us is that you don't need to fear even when there's something to fear. Even when it looks dark, even when it looks grim, even when the calendar reads 2020 and we're all just waiting for the next shoe to drop, you don't need to be afraid. Now, I'm not here to minimize the situation we're in, okay? Because we're all going through a lot. I mean, there is a real storm raging all around us out there in this world and in this country. And Jesus would never, ever say that 2020 wasn't real. But what he is saying is that even though there is something to fear out there, we don't need to fear because he is here. Now, there's a passage in the Old Testament, and it's quick become one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Because it proves for me, at least beyond a shadow of a doubt, how active and present God has been in all of our lives. And it proves how active and present he is in our lives and it proves how active and present he will be in our lives even when your life feels out of control and even when you're tempted to be afraid. Now David, King David from David and Goliath, he wrote this psalm, Psalm 139, and he's speaking to God and he says this, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me? before I was even born. He's saying, guys, before you were even born, God was a part of your life. He created you with his hands. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He saw you as a finished product before you even took your first breath. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know, when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away, continues. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Which tells me that we serve a God that has an intimate knowledge of our lives. This is not some far-off God who's uninterested and uninvolved. He's aware of your life. He's aware of your circumstances. He's aware of your situation. And He's aware of your fears. And then he says something that's amazing. He says, you go before me and follow me. This is, for me, one of the most profound promises in all of Scripture. You see, we don't know what our future holds, but God does. And in fact, based on this, he lets us know that he's already in your future. Every single one of you, he's there waiting for you. And at the same time, in some supernatural way, he's also following behind you, making sure that you get to your future safely. You know what that means? It means that God never leaves you. So we may think he's asleep in the boat, but we may think he's up in the hills, not paying attention. But what he's actually doing is he's walking ahead of you, clearing the path, and he's walking behind you, watching your back. He wraps up by saying every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every day, every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Here's why this is so important. You may not understand, you know, what's happened in your life right now. We may not understand 2020. I mean, nobody saw this coming. But nothing is a surprise to God. This is why Jesus taught us that you don't need to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. And so, 2,000 years ago, Jesus used two boat rides to break his disciples out of the grip of fear and get them into a position of trust. And I'm just starting to wonder if maybe, just maybe, he's doing the same with us in 2020. Is he testing you? Is he teaching you something? Is he trying to get us out of a place of fear and into a place of trust? So, what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, we put this word on the screen every week because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. And so what I want to do today is I I want to run you through an exercise. So what I want you to do is I want you to think of a fear of yours. And that probably didn't take long because you've probably been thinking about that fear the entire message. In fact, I would argue you probably never stop thinking about that fear. It's always present, it's always there, it's always foremost in your mind and it's just gnawing away at you. Now, imagine waking up tomorrow free from that fear. How would you feel? I mean, would you breathe easier? Would there be a bounce in your step? Would your relationships be better? Would you have more time for other people, more time for your kids, more time for your spouse, more time for your friends? Would you be out of your own head and more present in the world around you? You think maybe Jesus knew how much more productive we would be without fear. Now notice I didn't say you'd wake up tomorrow and the issue would be removed. It's just that you no longer fear it. Because according to Jesus, fear is a choice. Now, take that same fear and I want you to ask this question. What's the worst that can happen? Again, probably not a difficult question for you to answer because you probably imagine the worst-case scenario all the time when it comes to that fear. Now, here's something I know because we're all humans. I bet when you imagine this fear, I bet when you imagine this worst-case scenario that you think is going to happen, you imagine a scenario without Jesus. You probably never realized that before, but I think it's true. And I think the reason we fear the future so much, whether it's a loss of a job or a family issue or or, or sickness, whatever the case may be, I think we imagine it without Jesus. That we actually imagine ourselves having to conquer this thing in our own strength. And we're terrified. And imagining having to do something in our own strength all by ourselves, that is something to be terrified of. But based on the two boat lessons and based on what David shared in Psalm 139, we know that God has never left us. And we know that no matter what happens, God never will. We do not need to be afraid. Jesus' goal is never to minimize your situation. He just really wants every single one of us to know that you don't need to fear, even when there's something to fear. Because he's with you, He's watching over you. He's gone ahead of you, and he's walking behind you. Let me pray for you, Heavenly Father. I want to thank you that this account has been saved for us for two thousand years because I just feel like there's so much that we can learn, Lord. If there's one way to characterize this 2020, is it's fear. I mean, we're afraid. I mean, not only are we afraid, but fear is being sold to us and and we don't know what to make of it. and, And there's just so many things that we've never experienced before and there's just so much uncertainty that we don't know what the future holds. But Lord, if there's one thing that we've learned is that even when there is a storm around us, even when there is something to literally be afraid of, that we don't need to be afraid of it because you're with us. It's already in your book. You've seen the end, Lord. And we can trust you because you're there waiting for us. You're walking behind us. You're walking beside us. I pray that today, Lord, for every single person in this room, because we're all afraid of something. And for some of us, those fears have gotten pretty real recently. I pray that today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would feel your peace in a way that maybe we haven't felt in a long time or ever. I pray, Lord, that we would know that you are with us. And because you promised to never leave us, we can have that peace and we don't need to be afraid anymore. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.